Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Normally, we don't sully ourselves with the goings-ons of the DC universe of movies and television shows because, well, let's just be honest here. They're a complete mess and unmistakably JV when put up against what Marvel has been doing over the last decade. However... When a groundswell of fan support on the interwebs manages to convince a studio that's already made a butt-ton of money off of a movie to go back and fix said movie so they can make another butt-ton of money off of it? Huh? I think I might have found the motivation for this thing. It wasn't the fans at all. Two paychecks. (laughs) Well, what can we say? We're a sucker for a thing like that. So in this, episode 61, we'll be talking about the recently released Snyder Cut, Zack Snyder's Justice League, whatever you want to call it, in a little something we're calling the dark side of the gloom. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man for whom no introduction is necessary, but he still makes me come up with something every single episode anyways because he's looking to drive me slowly more insane each week of my life. He is the skip to my zip. No matter how cloudy it might be, there's always a chance of a sunny day. Wait, is one of us getting in trouble with our wife for this? I give you the man they called him. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are we? I'm doing all right. Uh, I feel like I might have just like pulled a vocal cord on that last one there. That was that was that was getting in touch with my inner Vince McMahon, which I, disturbs I, me on I know. several I th- levels. I thought I thought you were gonna you know go into one of those you know draw me money. Oh, I'm, I no, because I'll definitely dredge something up there. Oh I, on, boy. If I'm going to get in touch with my inner Vince, we're going to have to do a hair by a hair against hair match here pretty soon. <laughs> but thank you for bringing up the contractually obligated uh, introduction that we have uh, worked out. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. And how am I doing so far? Oh, am I, am I, am top I in notch. violation of something? Top notch. Okay, good, good. Uh, well, now before uh, we get to anything else, let's uh, take care of a little bit of business here. Uh, can you name the tag team, sir? Ah, uh, from the mid-90s, the Body Donnas. Yes, yes, yes. Of course. Skip with their- and zip. <laughs> With with their with their uh, their es- their I want to say escort I guess uh, their their valet <laughs> it would be a better way to put it Va- es- valet yes yes especially considering Sonny's um, uh, history with <laughs> with uh, with wrestlers uh, yes valet is probably a much better way to go mm-hmm. uh, so and actually there was another uh, another name listed in their in their Wikipedia page was there a cloudy. Was that another valet that was with him, or what? What? Yeah, you know that that, that was a short-lived thing. Um, I can see why. It, it, that that was during the the <laughs> that was during the dark years when <laughs> dark cloudy when, when we had like you know the 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 Brooklyn brawler dressing up as a baseball player and calling himself MVP, and we had Oof. the uh, the goon who was the hockey player. It was like Vince was trying to bring out all the '70s gimmicks in in the mid '90s as a way of trying to resurrect the company and. Oh, it didn't go well. Didn't go well. Good old Vince. And when I say good old Vince, I mean crazy old Vince. (laughs) Like steroids be rotting my brain, Vince. Oh, boy. Draw me money. 
Anywho, uh, but let's you know, let's get right into this. We got a whole lot of stuff in this show here, so uh, why don't we dig into the week in geek, sir? The week in geek. Feels so funky. Yeah. So uh, three three uh, items to go through, and first one, uh, since we haven't talked about it in a while, but we have riffed and joked about it, and we'll probably do so after this nugget right here. Um, a little, uh, you know, update on the BSG reboot that. Uh, oh, so it's coming out uh, in by the end of the year on the Peacock, right? No, no. Uh, actually, oh, well, 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 surely we have a cast announcement then. No, not that. Uh, then we know how many episodes it's going to be. Uh, not quite. Do we know uh, what time period it it kind of fits in with with uh, with you know the the Ron Moore BSG? Uh, not quite sure, but maybe the release date will be somewhere in the future, possibly in the 2100 somewhere. Oh, so it's one of them, one of them type of announcements. Okay, yeah, gotcha. it's 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 like you know forward momentum through subtraction somehow. I guess I don't know, that, but that's basically dude, I, you're, you're supposed to be the one who's good at math, and even I know that don't work out. Basically, Michael <laughs> Leslie if I'm saying his name correctly, was announced as the writer and showrunner in 2020 when this when this gem was was brought to us and announced as as a crown jewel of the Peacock Network. Apparently, uh, Mr. Leslie has now signed on to write the pilot for a different sci fi series and is leaving this BSG reboot. Gotta go. Gotta go. So now it has no writer and no showrunner. They they just need to turn they need to change this from Battlestar Galactica to just WTF because that's really <laughs> I mean at this point I I, I don't I I, don't, I uh, never I'm, fear yeah, again never fear Sam Esmail is still on on the job but my goodness <clears throat> he's not on the job again I'm telling you, he's he's getting paid by the day on this thing he's just going <laughs> to drag this out for the next five years oh my goodness oh. and I, and you know what I'm okay with that I am. A okay with that, mm-hmm. no problem by me, yes, none whatsoever. And actually, we have a little bit of a uh, of a BSG tie-in here, mm-hmm. uh, be- uh, which I will get to later. But let, uh, remind me uh, when we get into our 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 main topic, yes, uh, to tie that together, if you would, sir. I will do so. So yeah, I I, I kind of call this one stumbling and fumbling. The BSG reboot hits a snag. So uh, somehow. I, I don't know if they're trying to, through some way of changing physics, uh, still make progress by people jumping overboard, but that seems to be the strategy at hand right now. So once again, there is a BSG reboot. We don't know anything about it, and uh, the creator, writer, and producer of it is now leaving the project. So let's put it this way: there's hold a better on chance. You know, you ever watch Portlandia? I have not actually. Well, there was a so there was a BSG reference in there where where the I guess the, two of the characters I never watched the show either, and uh, they were they binge watched Battlestar Galactica. It was all that it was that whole thing where they would finish an episode like all right one more episode, and then they <laughs> kept on doing that and, like for just days on end. Been there, and then it ends, and they're like no no we can't it can't end it can't end, and so they write a a like a fan fiction episode, oh, and they get Edward James Almos. I forget who else they got. They got Eddie, and then Ron Moore was there. But then they had like his name was Ron Moore, but he wasn't the Ron Moore. Oh, gosh! But it was played by <laughs> the Ron Moore, which I'm like, that's so meta. It kind of hurts. Like it bends my brain a little bit. Yeah. I can't remember yeah. who who the other actor was. Was it was it Baltar? Was it Callus in there? I can't remember. 
Interesting. Yeah, but it was, and they were, so they're reading, you know, the script and stuff like that. And is it, it was, there's more chance of that, like that episode getting spun off into its own series than there is of this ever actually coming to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I would Which agree. again, I'm okay with that. Just keep agree. on, just keep on spending Peacock's money to make sure they will never make it. <sighs> yes. Draw me money. And so that's good news for me. I'm yeah, happy about this. Well, cause again, I, I, you know, on top of the fact that by losing people, I don't know how they're making progress on this. Um, There's still the whole issue of I, I just don't know how you can go back to this at, at, at this stage. You know what I mean? It's just I think there needs to be more time before you do anything. And, you know, just that 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 series was just such a gem in and of itself. It, it just just stay away from it. Just let it be. You know, well, on the positive side, they're going to get that time because it yeah, well, <laughs> just keeps on getting kicked further down the road. No It'll be kidding. 20 years from now and be like, hey, you know that BSG thing? People at BSG, what, what is this? I'm, I'm having holograms <laughs> beamed straight into my frontal cortex. <laughs> What's this about a television show? Like television streaming? What is, what is that? <laughs> I have mental telepathy now. Like, well, I, I don't, you didn't even tell me. I read your mind. Mm-hmm. What and what is this you're speaking of? You can't fix stupid. <sighs> Anywho, good stuff. And our, uh, it's our, so fun to kick that dog, kick that every so often. I just I love it. I figured oh, as much. I, I figured a, as much. Picks me up a little bit. Thank you. Our, our 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 next two points are actually centered on one franchise and in fact one character. Uh, it is mm. a both are Star Wars related and both center on Luke Skywalker. The first. Uh, was just a little, uh, you know, again, a little nugget about a uh, deleted scene from Star Wars Return of the Jedi uh, that was kind of interesting and, and basically kind of pointed to the, um, if it had been included in the movie, would have kind of set the stage a little bit better potentially for, you know, just the, the pull of the dark side for Luke. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things, you know, going back to when that movie first came out, you know, what was a little different about Luke when he showed up in the movie for the first time was how he was cloaked in black. Um, you know, black was always kind of associated with with uh, the villains and with, you know, the Sith, really. And so it, it was a little unclear if 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 that was done to basically kind of point out to, to the viewers like, you know, he, he's he's kind of riding the fence a little bit here. You know, he's still in that kind of danger zone, so to speak, that Yoda was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, this deleted scene is interesting because it's, it basically encapsulates, you know, Vader calling out to Luke, you know, so, so basically setting the stage that he is actively trying to connect with his son. He's trying to convince him to join him still as part of this connection. And when we see Luke in this deleted scene, he's in a cave, uh, essentially putting the finishing touches on his uh, lightsaber, which is kind of a rite of passage, if you will, for, for a, you know, for a Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. The way they do it's kind of cool because he's getting called out to by Vader and he's finishing up the lightsaber and then he just like ignites it. Like there's a shot where you just see his his head, cl- you know, with with his hood over his head, and and the lightsaber just kind of like ignites across, you know, like like just very kind of um, not. I don't mean to say solemnly, but um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It, it just it's has a very, sense, very of, moody, kind of shadowy. For yeah, both. yeah, like like just has kind of a, a menace to it. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um The other interesting thing is as they shoot out uh, as the shot changes from in the cave where he is to outside the cave. I think it's a really cool scene where you kind of see the Falcon and, and, and his X-Wing parked 
in this area like like just gives a sense that this was a very well thought out very coordinated plan that they were pulling off um, mm. y- you know you kind of got that sense just in in terms of the original return of the Jedi it seems like they were pretty coordinated in what they were doing but it just kind of lends itself to oh okay they th- this is something that they had a clear plan and a, and a an approach to do and so I think that scene ends with the two droids with C-3PO and R2-D2 making their way to Jabba's palace and then of course we know how that plays out so so the so the main reason this was brought up is it just kind of it, it kind of helped to underscore the struggle that Luke was going through um, you know in terms of potentially being pulled to the dark side and just kind of it being a question mark uh, as part as this movie played out so uh, I know you watch this sir and you have a slightly different take on it so uh, what say you I I'm I'm glad it didn't make it in um, I think it's it's one of those things that it, it sounds like a good idea on the page and it even sounds it even sounds and looks like a good idea as you're shooting it but once you put it into the context of the overall movie it's just much more interesting mm-hmm. for you to not see that stuff and for your fir- the first time you see Luke to be when he shows up at Jabba's palace yeah. And you get that and then you, you you see just overall and he talks and, and you, you get a better picture then instead of just like, ooh, well, Luke looks different there. And then you zap away to something else. Like when Luke shows up, it's all about him in that scene. Yeah. Um, and so uh, for another project, <laughs> yeah, foreshadowing, uh, I've been looking at Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. And going over and actually reading through uh, an early draft of the script and comparing it to the movie. And so in the in the early draft, you uh, you get to see Will solving the equations and stuff. And you 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 the audience know or you the reader know who's doing it before uh, Professor Lambeau or anybody else knows. Yeah. And so you you kind of have that information before anyone else does, mm. and but in the movie you don't. Or no, how is it? You, you you kind of you kind of see it later on, and I'm like, yeah, it it works out better for you not to know, you know, and for to, for you to find out kind of at the same time, Lambo does, um, and and it's it's like. It's one of those things where I, I understood in the, in the in the script why. Oh no, actually it's a, it's a reverse. That's right. Oh no, because so, so in the in the movie, you know ahead of time, but before Lambeau, no. okay, I I got him reversed. My my bad. That's so, all right. That's all right. Um, but it it works out better for the audience to have a little bit more information than the characters. Right here, I think it works out better for the audience to have no clue whatsoever, because mm-hmm. it it just the impact of that moment when Luke shows up and his presence kind of takes over the movie. Yeah. And yeah. and it really starts moving things forward. And I yeah. just I kind of it's kind of cool how it's mysterious and these pieces are all coming together whereas if you see it at the beginning like that you're like, "Oh, now I kind of get where everything is going." Kind of like less um, is more. Yeah, and it's also the kind of thing uh, sort of like keeping Vader and Luke apart, almost mm-hmm. like you do almost like you do in wrestling between, you know, if you're going to have a big match in 4 months, you got to find some way to keep these two people away from each other while still referring to each other but without having a direct confrontation because you want to have this big match and you need mm-hmm. the tension to build. Mm-hmm. I felt like I feel like you would have lost some tension if you if you show that. And I think you kind of get the idea that there is a connection between the two of them anyways. I don't think you necessarily need that scene. So I mean it, it's not that it was a poor scene. I just feel like it adds more to the movie to not have that bef- in there. Yeah, agreed. Well, I I say agreed, but I, I mean I, I'm I'm a sucker for for just more content, 
Oh, totally. It's it's nice to have that. I mean, I'm and, I and love watching deleted scenes. I just feel like there's some deleted scenes that I watch. I'm like, why would you take that out? Right. That I think that would have been great in the movie. I don't. And there's think, other stuff I watch. I'm like, I totally understand why that got taken out. Yeah, I I, I don't think this this approaches the the zone that you know a couple episodes ago when we talked about the Rocky movies, I mentioned this deleted scene for Creed two that mm-hmm. I thought was and, and I still think is just criminal that it didn't make it into the movie. Oh yeah, um, I agree. I think that, that I don't been believe in there. this deleted scene comes close to that zone. I, I think this is more of a for for me, just just as as a fan, mm. just to see him and, and let's be honest, it's not like there's a lot of you know, this 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 isn't like Tony Stark building the Iron Man armor sort of scene where you see Luke like, you know, go through all this process of building his lightsaber. He's literally putting a switch on, I think, at the end, or a cover to a switch that's already working. You know, I mean it's yeah. not like it's this deep dive into you know lightsaber construction or anything like that. Yeah, he's he's putting like the battery he's putting like the, the battery yeah, cover he's, on yeah, a he's remote control, the essentially. <laughs> that's that's like the that's like the he didn't even he probably didn't even need a screwdriver like that he was using. He could have just snapped it into place and it was Exactly. Good. Exactly. So I, I agree with you that I don't think the movie gains a lot from it, but I still feel like it's one of those things that just you know, especially when he ignites it, I mean it just has such a, a like I said, a menace to it. You know, like Yeah. Well you, I think like, it's one I, of those... like, I don't know he's the I know he's the hero, but I don't know what he's thinking right now because he seems kind of in his own little zone there you know what i mean so yeah uh, i think it's it's one of those things where it's it's nice as a fan because it, it gives you insight into where the creative people who were involved in this were throughout mm-hmm. the process and it's nice to see those little those little trails off to the off the side of the road that people went down yeah and yeah. you know they, they turn back around and, and eventually went back down the main road but it's kind of cool to still see like what were they exploring what were they trying what were they thinking yeah yeah definitely definitely uh, and and the last item around Luke Skywalker is um, Luke. is is basically Luke. is the rumors ha ah, rumormongers.com my friend oh, we got we got to oh. start it uh, we got to have our own website man we're we make we're missing out on the money on all the monies make money money make money 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 there's uh, rumors that there will be a Luke Skywalker solo series on the Disney Plus. Uh, no, wait, are you, do you mean solo as in like little s or capital s because uh, i'm little all down s. for like I'm, I'm thinking this is like a buddy cop adventure like you know no luke no, and no solo little s no. this will be post return of the jedi this will be luke skywalker in his prime series uh that, that they would do and what's interesting is especially this week there were some articles that came out where sebastian stan um who you know, a lot of folks point, a lot of fans like to point to to say, oh, he's the one who should play Luke because of how uncanny, you know, mm. he, his look is to Mark Hamill's. He actually came out and said, look, if I'm ever going to do this, Mark Hamill needs to pick up a phone and ask me to do it. Like, I am not, you know, there's a lot of, not, not, not him saying this in, in an egotistical kind of way. I think what he was trying to say is, he hears a lot of stuff as as we all do, as we've talked about. I mean, here at Free Range NDC, we're still trying to uh, kind of create our own little rumor monger site. But um, oh yeah, but oh, for him to sweet. actually take on this iconic role, I, I think he's paying respect to Mark Hamill by saying, "Look, if I if I'm ever going to do this, the the man who originated it, it like this, I have to have his blessing before we even talk about like me actually doing this." And, and yeah. I think that's really cool because, you know, he, like probably all of us, is at, at some level a fan, of course. And, 
you know, uh, in, in Mark Hamill in general, if you've ever seen him, you know, on talk shows and other things, I mean, as far as a guy who has played this this iconic hero across this 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 iconic franchise, very down to earth and and just mm-hmm. seems like very much a, a very regular sort of guy. And so, you know, so so for him to say that, I think, is really about having the the, the right you know the right situation in place, but also just that 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 Mark Hamill is okay with it. You know what I'm saying? Like like not him just like picking it up just because he looks like him, but just I want to hear from the man, and 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 if so, okay, I'm good with it, sort of thing. So yeah, um, so I think that'd be well, kind of cool. Um, you know, there's also we've talked about Mara Jade becoming you know live action in these series uh, potentially as well, mm-hmm. and she's a key character out of the Thrawn trilogy that we've discussed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it would be really interesting for if they do a series on Luke Skywalker to kind of weave her into it. I think that would be really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like there's a lot of potential to take threads from the Thrawn trilogy as they're doing with the Ahsoka series and potentially with this and kind of draw them out and maybe take them in slightly different, uh, more interesting directions than than where they kind of landed, at, you know, especially towards the end of that trilogy. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, I, I did see a tweet from Mr. Hamill uh, because he's he's quite the active, uh, active fellow on Twitter. Oh, he works and, in social uh, medias, people. Oh, yeah. He loves him some Twitter, loves him some tweeting. And uh, so I saw a tweet, a tweet from him today basically replying to Sebastian Stan and, and thing, his thing being, hey, that's you're assuming that I have some sort of sway over casting at Lucasfilm, which I do not, which I, I'm like, <laughs> ooh, is there a little shade in that? Or, or I, I don't know. Is that just a fact or is that a little uh, little, well, little little jab as well? There is some drama happening over at the Plus, so. <laughs> well, I mean, isn't there always? I mean, come on. With the amount of money flowing around there, of course there's going to be drama. Yeah. Of course there's going to be. Yeah. There's millions and billions flying around over there. Somebody going to get upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm all in favor of it, though. I, I think that would be interesting. And, you know, I can I can see where he's coming from. But at the same time, yeah, I, I, I think that would be that's an inter- it's, it's almost one of those things where it's like, if you're going to do this, you better do it soon because, you know, Sebastian Stan ain't getting any younger. Yes. And, and he is like as close to a dead ringer, non CGI mm-hmm. Luke Skywalker as you were going to get. It is spooky just how, how close he does look to Mark Hamill at, at kind of that age range. Right. And, and it's like, dude, if you're going to do it, let's take advantage of this now. Well, you know? and, and, and not only that, but he is he has proven time and time again that he is a quality talent. You know what I mean? It's not oh, just yeah. that he has the yeah. look as we're seeing in Falcon and the Winter Soldier and as we've seen him in. in various you know uh marvel movies he he is a very very talented actor so in 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 my eyes he's got the tools he's got the talent it's miller time <laughs> oh boy just another completely dated reference <laughs> from an from another century yeah you're supposed to be you're supposed to be getting in, t- in touch with the kids here and you're just driving them further away uh, the kids have got to see this stuff to appreciate the culture of the 80s, baby. Next thing you know, you're going to have a Spuds McKenzie reference next episode. <laughs> it's going to be fan-freaking-tastic. Uh, and that, my friends, is the Week in Geek. Oh, yeah! Well, thank you, sir, for your, your scouring of the interwebs. Mm-hmm. As per usual, par excellence. Oh, thank you. Thank you well, I think we we should probably get into uh, the the heart of the matter. The now heart that we've of the classed episode. up the joint, 
Uh, well, there's only so much class you're going to get out of us, really. Let's <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, so uh, Snyder Cut, which uh, is, is now known as Zack Snyder's Justice League, whatever it is, the 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 four hour and two minute epic this is the <laughs> that film is that never ends. Oh, good lord, it doesn't. Oh, I just. It, it, I'm, I swear they were still they were still adding more to it as I was streaming. I'm like, mm. wait, there's a part twelve? Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's it's crazy. So I uh, got a chance to watch this over the weekend. We both did, and mm-hmm. we're going to be uh, discussing this a little bit. But first of all, before we even really start, I kind of want to talk a little bit about this because I feel that this is not really a movie. Mm. It, it, it's a it's a cross between an event. And an endurance contest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, I love it. And I say that tongue in cheek, but also with a straight face, because let's face it, you're not going to have a a theatrical release of a four hour movie. It just ain't happening. Like three hour movies are very rare because, again, you have to fit in so many showings per day to make so much money. And that's why you know run times are kind of around the same area of where they normally are. Unless you get something like Endgame where you're like, we know we're going to make all the money and it's we can run this thing 24 hours a day and it'll still make money. With this, this is kind of like, I don't know if this could have happened at any other time in history than when you hit the point where a streaming service like HBO, HBO Max, whatever can throw this much money into doing a project like this because this wasn't just like, oh, hey, go back and recut the footage. Like, they, they handed Zack Snyder a lot of money. Like, almost like the, the budget for an, an 80s or 90s action movie on its own just to go back and redo this movie. So I don't know that this could happen any other time. And I think it's also, you, have, you can't really necessarily compare it to other movies either because it's so much... And also just the timing of it, because we've already seen the uh, the the other version of this movie, and so I, it's tough to judge this as just a standalone, because we've already seen a little bit of it, and you've already seen kind of what came before and what came after, yeah. And now this, you have this kind of thing bopping back into our into the stream where it's like, hey, and by the way, this changes kind of a bunch of stuff. So how do you, it's, it's going to be really tough to kind of judge all of that because you, you have all of that. Then that's even before you get into the whole thing with like the drama that was surrounding Zack Snyder leaving the movie yeah. and the fact that it feels like even though he left because of a tragedy in his family, that there was also a bit of animosity there that he had the movie kind of taken away from him more than he set it down. Mm-hmm. Then you have just the, the Joss Whedon stuff in and of itself because we're finding out more and more. He's pretty much a douche, it seems. Uh, so there's that whole thing. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it's it's just this whole big ball of kind of confusion with this movie. But to me, it's like, you, I don't even know if you can really call it a movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense at all? It, it does. And, I mean, I'll, I'll use my experience as an example. I mean, I basically flat out, you know, I said to my, my sons last night or, or yesterday, because we were talking about, you know, we watch it as a family. And I said, this is what we're doing. We're watching two hours, and then we'll watch the other two hours today. You mm-hmm. know, like the day we're recording. Because I said, first of all, there, there's no way I'm going to sit for four hours. I mean, that is like, that is an afternoon, that is an evening, or that is a morning. I mean, you're, you're, you're taking a third of your day and dedicating it to watching this thing. And yep. I'm like, I'm just not doing it. I'm not doing it. I will, I will watch for two hours. That is a reasonable time to watch a movie. 
and we'll we'll watch half and then we'll watch the other half and that's what we did and it was good you know i mean it's about it was especially painful today because, you know, on this particular day, it was about 60 degrees, you know, out where we are, which is about the warmest it's been, you know, in a couple of yeah. weeks. So being indoors and watching a movie, I'm like, Ugh! you know, it's like I want to get out on the bike. I want to get outside, do some grilling um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, so so, yeah, I, I wouldn't really call it a movie because. You know, when when you sit down to watch a film, you want to see something that, that tells a story in in a you know reasonable amount of time, not something that just goes on and on and on and on. Which, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get to uh, the you know later on here in the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, you know, some some comments around that. So, so yeah, I, I I would say for me having to break it up that way, that that would you know definitely kind of take it out of the category of being a, a movie and more of an event, if you will. Um, mm. I did read about it a little bit, and I thought there was at one point a proposal to make it kind of like a series, which yeah, may have made it a bit more digestible if you had just broken it up, you know? Well, I almost feel like uh, in terms of just overall format, because uh, now we, we had uh, it, it was in chapters or parts, you know, uh, divided up. And I really felt like there there was a a, dif- uh, a dividing line that you could have made it part one, part two, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, before they kind of bring Superman back, <laughs> spoilers, as if. So, uh, you know, before that, there is a break, and I'm like, okay, that would have been a good midpoint to go, okay, this is part one, this is part two. The trouble being that there's not really anything big that happens right before that so it's it's kind of a very sort of weird place to be like all right hey and now we're done with this part this this uh this part it's like well i kind of we're conditioned to having kind of a still having a third act even though it's a part one and a part two Mm -hmm. and it just isn't i don't know about a mini series or or a a kind of a series because if you if you broke it up just in the easiest blocks of like okay it's it's a four-parter one hour each yeah it, it doesn't divide that easily. Like I can't see, even though I'm, I was kind of counting minutes at one point. Cause I'm like, Holy crap. How long have I been watching this? I feel like my beard has grown mm-hmm. and it was only an hour in. I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. I don't know that. I think it would have been like if they'd released um, the first two episodes of WandaVision one at a time, instead of giving you both at the same time. Right. I think they, you would have been sort of like, okay, that was weird. I don't know that I really want to watch the second one. I'm not sure this is my thing. Yeah. Without being able to watch them back to back and being like, all right, I think a little bit more information now. I'm I'm more immersed in the world, uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that it is in one big chunk. But again, it's like if this weren't streaming and you couldn't control how much you could watch, I don't know that people are going to go out and rent this. Like if you're going back to the days of of Redbox and you know going down to your local store and buying it on on DVD. I don't know how many people do that. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I, I might have red boxed it way down the road. I definitely wouldn't have gone after it right, right away. Yeah. But hey, it's streaming and I can kind of start and stop whenever I want to. Okay, sure. I'll, I guess I'll give it a shot. I'm already paying for the service. Right, right. You know? Right. Well, and I mean, in this day and age too, I mean, you know, what would really the difference be if you just took the movie and broke it up? You know, I mean, if, if you just found the right points to kind of end the episode, I mean, how is that any different from nine episodes of WandaVision? Well, because it, it, because you're taking something that was inherently conceived of as a movie and movies are like, hey, it's this, this and this and this and this. And then you end, mm-hmm. um, you know, whereas 
something that is is set out to be a mini series, you you do have those moment like something kind of buttons up that that episode. Like there's a punchline, mm-hmm. you know, or you kind of you hit a point and then you have a cliffhanger for the next one or whatever. And in a movie where, of course, Zack Snyder basically said there isn't a single frame that Joss Whedon shot in this at all. Like he's only using footage that he shot in the original. Um, the original shooting that he did and in the the limited reshoots that he did, which I, I don't even know what he did for reshoots. I didn't look up all the history on that. Yeah. So if you're only going with the bulk of which is what you shot in the first place, you only got so many options, you know, and you're really still trying to complete this vision that you had. Maybe you can expand it and add to it. I mean, I, I think the rumor was that he actually did en- envision this as a two-parter or a three-part, you know, arc or something. So maybe that's how it all happened. I don't know, but I don't see it. You'd have to do some serious rewriting in order to get to those points. Well, you know but, what I mean? But but I mean if you look at episodes 8 and 9 of WandaVision, episode 8 ends with Agatha having the kids kind of tied up and, you know, captured so to speak, and then 9 just picks right up. Right? I mean, like Well, yeah, but th- but it was it was written with that as a break. Like they knew like, hey, oh, here's sure, the end of sure. episode eight. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this is this was meant to be like, oh, no, it, it goes from from here to here. Mm-hmm. Here I'm making hand gestures in an audio medium. So that's how with it I am. Um, <laughs> it, you're meant to go from like A to Z and there's no breaks in between. Right. You know, this isn't this isn't the local where you get a stop every every mile like this. Right. You're taking the express. Right. There ain't no stops, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting cinematic oddity. Rather than a movie, you know what I mean, and and it's telling that you know when we finished watching it, one of my sons said that really just felt like you know like the two Avengers movies just smashed together, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you're right, it could have probably been broken up into two movies, yeah, um, which you know may or may not have been the original intent because I thought when when Snyder you know was kind of doing this back in the beginning of the 2010s, you know, he had this idea of you know there's Man of Steel and then there'd be I, I thought I read there was like a five arc, five movie arc that he was trying to like go down here and, and, and mm. basically say, here's Man of Steel. And then we're going to have like three Justice League movies. And then I forget what the other one was supposed to be. But yeah, I mean, he did. And, and, and that's part of, you know, and we can get into this a little bit later. But this is one of the problems that DC had. They tried to give they tried to have their Feige and their Favreau together. Right. And be the same guy. And that that that's not going to work. Right. You know, right. they wanted Snyder to, to, to kind of be the guiding force, but he was also going to be directing the bulk of the movies. And, and that's just it's so much work and you don't get any removal from big picture, little picture, little picture being like the individual movies. Right. Big picture being like, how does this whole thing lay out? I mean, I don't know how you can how how one person can do all that because as soon as you finish one movie, you're going to have to start in on the process for the next one. Right. At least the, the starting the the building of the process and writing, and then to say, oh yeah, we're going to pl- I'm going to plan it out in between all of this. Like that's just not going to work. And and it didn't. You know, of course, partly because of 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 what happened in in you know the Snyder family, but I think it was it was already doomed before that myself. Yeah. That's just what I think. So anyways, I just wanted to, I kind of wanted to frame that because I think that's kind of important because mm-hmm. it's, it makes it really difficult to compare this movie to other movies, even, even in the DC universe, but just in general to any movies, really. Yeah. Because agreed. it's, it's, 
it's it's just it's it's a thing unto itself. And maybe we'll get more of these down the road that are kind of like, hey, this could only exist on streaming. Mm-hmm. But this certainly, you know, is a very rare, rare, rare bird, indeed. Indeed. It's like Kevin from Up. <coughs> How about that for a reference? At least it was yeah, Up. Uh, yeah, Up was in the century. See, hey, I can be modern, even though that was like. Well, probably 12 years ago now. Uncle Todd, um, he's got the tools, he's got the talent. It's time. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Just stop, please. You see how applicable that is to, like, everything? You're wrong. Yeah, except the fact that I, the only time I think I've ever... Actually, this does tie in, because I think the only time I've ever had any kind of Miller beer was at our apartment, I think right after we moved in, and yeah, I went across the right. street to the gas station, and yep. I got, like, Miller High Life, because that was the like they they had a very not great selection of beer go figure at a gas station <laughs> and i and i got miller high life and we drank it and i'm like yeah this is something mm-hmm. it's a beer like substance never again <laughs> yeah never again I'm, I'm pretty sure the last couple bottles hung in there hung in the back <sighs> of the refrigerator almost till we moved out i think so too <laughs> Fer- fermented into some other sort of beverage yes Anyways, uh, so let's get into this thing. So we're going to do this, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because I think we'll find a little bit of, of all of those. So let's start with the good, though. Let's let's in with the good, and then we'll get to the out with the bad. So what do you have to say uh, for the good side of this flick, sir? You know, and, and I'm... You know, my comments are coming from a place of strictly watching this this cut of Justice League. I did not see the original, so I, I ah, have, that's that's right. I have no comparison to draw on. Now, have you seen any of the other DC movies at all, either, uh, besides Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman eighty four? We've seen Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman eighty four. That is it. I have not seen Aquaman. I have not seen Man of Steel. I have not seen anything. Okay. Have you ever seen any other Zack Snyder flicks? I have seen Watchmen. Okay. And right. I'm aware of 300, but I've never actually watched 300 from beginning to end. Okay. And so. just to set the context for myself, I have seen Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, the original, the Josh Whedon, Joss Whedon, Justice League, this Justice League, both the Wonder, 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 Wonder Woman flicks. <laughs> Jeez, this is going to be great. What are you drinking over and- there? <laughs> Water now. I mean, for crying out loud, <laughs> what's in the water, Todd? Uh, so uh, uh, both Wonder Woman flicks and Aquaman and uh, the Harley Quinn flick, and then I I haven't. Uh, oh, and the Suicide Squad with mm-hmm. Will Smith in it, mm-hmm. and I haven't seen Joker. So I'm pretty sure that kind of covers my DC experience. And and just for further context, I actually watched Man of Steel the other night. Mm-hmm. And so that was a Zack Snyder flick. And then I, before we recorded the show, me and the kid watched the Joss Whedon uh, Justice League just to refresh my memory. So I've actually now subjected myself to that flick twice. Oh boy. I just, I feel like I should be getting compensation from somebody for that. (laughs) So do do I owe you some money? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you you owe me three fifty for that for sure. (laughs) Three fifty. Damn you, Joss Whedon. Which is pretty much the case of everything. Yes. Anyways, um, yeah, I've got feelings about Joss Whedon, and they're not good. So, uh, so what? So, coming from your limited kind of context on this, what did you think was was good about this flick? You know, the first thing I'll say is I think directionally, it it had a, a clear direction, or, or yeah, it, it had a clear direction throughout 
the telling of the movie. Uh, I, I liked the chapters. I liked, you know, the the way that early in the movie, or, or I don't know what we want to call it. We just we just spent you know fifteen uh, minutes we'll talking call about it. How, yeah, call it a movie because that's just call what it, it is. But, but when we say movie, we're, we've got little quoting marks around the it. The event. Um, but, you know, I liked how the early part of it was really about setting context for different characters and kind of getting, you know, you, you oriented into what's going on and a little bit of, you know, I, I had no knowledge of Steppenwolf. I had no, you know, knowledge of the mother boxes. And I, and I thought that it was you know directionally they were moving things Th- things moved in in a logical direction to kind of set up and build up to where the movie eventually went mm-hmm. i liked you know how each character got some time or at least the characters that didn't have their own standalone movies got some time so you got a bit of time with cyborg you got a bit of time with flash you got a mm-hmm. bit of time um you know, with with Aquaman. I mean, now Aquaman does have his own solo movie, but there was a little bit there about all of them kind of shared in some way. Um, you know, acceptance of who they are, acceptance of their identity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Aquaman struggling with you know picking up the mantle of what he needed to. Cyborg accepting his situation, and and having you know some father issues there. You know, Flash also having some father issues and trying to you know find his way. So I, I thought it was a nice way to kind of set the table to move things forward to the point of them all having to come together to, to kind of fight against this. Um, I thought the the way they wove in some of the, the, the history and, and what, you know, happened in the past was good. You know, like, like the whole – I think it was Wonder Woman who was retelling, you know, telling, you know, Bruce Wayne about, you know, the entire – you know, battle that happened when, when Darkseid actually came to Earth um, mm. and, and that sort of thing. I, I, I liked how they kind of told that. And, you know, it, it, in some ways it had kind of a 300 feel to I, I mean, a lot of there's actually a lot of scenes in this movie that have a lot of like 300 to it. Um, yeah. And, and that's understandable. It feels like that's kind of his style. But this one especially had that plus a little bit of Lord of the Rings. You know, if, if you remember back to the Lord of the Rings movie and when they mm-hmm. kind of talk about the history of, of the ring, be, you know, how it was forged and all of that. Um, you know, I just I felt like it was it was the right. It, it, everything kind of had its place and it felt right. I never felt like it was disjoint in, in that way. So so yeah so so I thought it was a good build up. Um, I thought the story they were telling was logical and made sense and and came to a you know proper conclusion. I, I will reserve some comments for the bad and the ugly in uh, some other areas, but o- overall that that was my sense of it. I felt like it it, it moved things forward in a logical direction, not just story wise but character wise as well. Yeah. No, I, and I I would agree with with all of your points, um, and of course coming from the from the standpoint of having watched Joss Whedon's Justice League, the Justice League, if you will, um, I, I it's a definite improvement on the original. Of course, that didn't take much because Justice League was just such the the, the Justice League was such a turd of a flick, even before you have the context of what could have been. It, it, it was just not good. 
not good yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot more character development, and we've talked about this in different, uh, in, in BSG certainly, in, in WandaVision, in a lot of different contexts about having those moments of, of character building and, and just kind of sitting with a character for a couple extra seconds and how that can really inform you mm-hmm. about a character and help you form kind of an attachment with that character because that's the other thing. If you're detached from the characters, if you don't really care, if it's all just if it's literally just video game cutscenes, who cares? Who really cares? And that was, that was for me, what, what we had with Justice League was I didn't really care about a lot of these characters because even though you're telling, like, oh, here's a whole bunch of, here's who the character is. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have a connection to them because I don't really feel like I've gotten to know them that much. You've just thrown a right. bunch of information and expected me to care about them, but I don't. You know, this person could get squashed like a bug in the next scene. I go, eh, okay, you know, whatever. Next, I, I, I mean, biggest one of course was Cyborg. Cyborg has such a better arc in this in this version of the Justice League than in mm-hmm. Justice League. Man, Joss Whedon done Ray Fisher dirty. Like it was so much better in this flick. Yeah. The Cyborg character came across so much better. And now, like, all of the kind of animosity that Ray Fisher has towards DC, Warner Brothers, Joss Whedon, totally makes sense. And that's before you get into any of the kind of, like, uh, of the of the, of the the stuff that is outside of the movie and just in a humanity sense because there's a lot of accusations that are we're not going to get into because mm-hmm. I don't want to wade into those waters right now, but just in terms of what ended up on the screen or in the final flick, I can totally understand why Ray was pissed. Yeah. Like it, his, it, the performance in, in this justice league is so much better. The character, I, I actually felt like I had an attachment for them. Whereas in the justice league, he's just kind of a, an add on. He's just a two dimensional character that gets you to a point A to point B sometimes without actually being a person. Like j- just for my knowledge, like what was added in the Snyder cut that wasn't in the Whedon cut for Cyborg? Was it all the stuff with his father? Was it all of Yes. Well there was a there okay. was a lot of stuff with the father. There was a couple extra beats at the beginning mm-hmm. with the father mm-hmm. and there was a um a, a, you got a lot of background on on Cyborg's character before the accident, you actually got to see his mother, mm. um, or you didn't see his mother. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going in reverse here. I'm getting confused because I saw the I watched Justice League today and you know Justice League last night. So in 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 uh, Justice League, no mom, no extra beats with dad, and in the in the Joss Whedon version, uh, his father does not sacrifice himself. to to kind of mark that last mother box Mm -hmm. and at the end it's just sort of them like exploring more of being a cyborg and I'm like oh but but, but again when you watch that flick prior to having the context of this one it's just sort of like yeah whatever I didn't really care that much about that character before anyways and now I just I still don't really care about him yeah yeah He, he just was it was just a a very flat character and How? and the, a lot of the lines were kind of changed. Like his character itself was a lot more approachable, and a lot you saw more humanity mm. in the character through this this movie, where he was actually more part of the team instead of it being uh, a lot more animosity in the Justice League, where it's very you know pull and push, and and maybe he's working for the bad guys and stuff like that, which really wasn't a thing in this new version of Justice League. Right. And that was a very a very big thing in the in the Justice League was the was there was a lot of animosity on the team, which I'm like, 
that's uh, to me then looking at it now I'm like yeah he's totally trying to do the first Avengers thing yeah he's trying he's trying to have the team rip itself apart and then come together and okay valid but you also don't have any context with with some of these characters. Like I was just looking at this while while uh, while you were mentioning, in terms of like the the order and stuff like that. So you had Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, which didn't really have anything to do with this flick, Wonder Woman, and then Justice League in 2017. So you didn't have anything about Aquaman beforehand. Mm-hmm. You you just got him here. You didn't have anything on Flash. You didn't have anything on Cyborg, and. So you had, you know, and and you really didn't have that much on on Batman on Ben uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, really from Batman v Superman because he was just kind of thrown into that movie. So you're you're just kind of catching up with that. The, I mean, so Henry Cavill, you know, the super, Superman character and Wonder Woman are two of your best formed characters. Yeah, you know, and and just man it, it just it, everything kind of got fleshed out a bit more and you got a, a better feeling like oh my gosh flash was probably second place in terms of like getting a better character arc mm. flash came off much better in this flick yeah. and much much more uh in in the in the joss in justice league dude is a complete like just i don't even know how he's a spaz like is just they played it up as like cowardly and all this, and it's like it's not like he's gung ho hero in, in the in Zack Snyder's version of this. He was way he was a complete chicken turd mm-hmm. in in Justice League, yeah. and it was kind of unnecessary, you know. And it was a character they very much played for laughs, which is the entire thing with with Justice League, anyways. Like every like Batman's character, very much not dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> like very kind of almost getting jokey sort of thing. I'm like, okay, that's not really Batman. Yeah, it's trying to trying to get more of kind of a Tony Stark yeah. sort of like vibe to him. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, that no, no, that ain't Batman. Sorry. Sorry, Spanky, that ain't Batman. And of course, I mean, the other th- big thing is like, holy crap, the special effects actually looked finished for the first time ever in a DC movie. Uh outside of outside of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, first Wonder Woman, looked really well. Uh, this movie Again, and the thing is, like, Zack Snyder's movies l- usually look really good. Yeah. You know? And and actually, go, I went back and I watched Man of Stu- Steel the other night, and it, it looked really good as well. So I I, I almost want to go back and watch Batman v Superman, but I, I'm not going to, and and see how the special effects look there, because it really was Justice League that looked like video game cutscene central. Yeah. Like, everything just looked like it was, there's, so, I, 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 you know what, I'll get into that. <laughs> Get into that. Uh, uh, well, no, I'm going to get into it now. There was so many obvious green screen shots in Justice League. Mm. Like everything. You could totally tell. I'm like, my, my my daughter was just in a play that they put together using green screens and everything to, to kind of like, you know, for their drama club. It was that level yeah. of performance and like, oh my gosh, you can totally tell these actors are standing in front of nothing. You know, there was no care taken with it. Like the characters who are CGI don't look finished. It just it looked so amateur hour. And this one, I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks like someone actually finished the movie. Holy crap! Amazing! What a concept! Yeah. But yeah, and and yeah, it's just oh, yeah, and 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 it's just a it was just a well polished movie in my opinion. Or nice. well, I mean, for for what it was, for what it was, it was night and day compared to Justice League. 
And and just for my knowledge, like if you could throw a rough percentage on it, like what percentage of the content we saw in the Snyder Cut, you know, was in the original? Well, so here's the thing. 50% of at least, I forget, I think it's 50% or 51%. So Snyder's got a direct, got the directorial credit for Justice League. Okay. He is he is the director of record, even though everyone knows Joss Whedon came in and and redid the whole thing. Now, I, I forget what the the structure and how that all how that arrangement was made however it is like a a a director's guild thing like if if you shot 51 percent of the movie the majority of the movie you get directorial credit that's why the whole thing happened with superman 2 where whoever it was that came in to redirect it uh after dick donner got fired or left or whatever that he had to shoot 51 percent of the of the of the footage that was in the final flick in order for him to get director credit Uh, so in justice league 51 percent of the or more of that footage was in it was in that version so then that ends up being in justice league however when you think about it justice league was only two hours and change long Mm -hmm. so we saw at least an hour of Zack snyder's footage in justice league so really, uh, you you got a quarter of the of, of what Justice League, what we just watched. Okay. okay. So it seems even smaller, you know, because uh, I'm like, okay, this, this, and this, and that, but there's so much new footage in this, mm-hmm. so much. I mean, it's at least two and a half hours of new footage. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I was just curious, like how much of it was was retread versus how much of it was really like new content. Yeah, and the thing is, like, freaking Steppenwolf looks fan freaking tastic compared to what it was in Justice League. Really? Like it it Justice League was so like it looked like a factory second on a, you know, discount shelf version of a Marvel B-level villain. Wow. It just he, it, the character did not look good. Mm-hmm. It looked like it was looking at it now afterwards I'm like, "Wow, that's what they went with. That was that was the final ver- wow, that's pretty crazy." You know, the Steppenwolf from from the Snyder cut is is far and away better. Of course, then you also get the character of Darkseid, who is not in the Justice League movie at all. He's he gets like one mention, and then that's it. There's no other mention of him. And and the way that they do the movie is Steppenwolf plays the basically the part of Darkseid's you know bits in that movie, and that's it. So yeah, it's it it is a big difference in terms of footage and and, and everything else. Yeah. Interesting. So now that we've gotten through, oh, and by the way, so here's here's the tie-in. I forgot to do this. So the tie-in with with BSG is in Man of Steel, we get Gata and we get Hilo. Ah, nice. There's one part where they're at this base off, like in the in you know the frozen tundra of Canada, I think, or Alaska. No, it's Canada, and. Hilo is playing a, a dude who like is greeting people as they come off the helicopter. I'm like, ah, Hilo, Hilo. Oh, that's that's <laughs> that's good. And then they go into like this structure, and then there's then there's uh, Alessandro, but he's again at a at a terminal like doing like communications and <laughs> and all. It's like, damn, you just got typecast as yeah. as again. Yeah. I'm just I'm reading stuff off of a screen and telling people what the sit rep is. Great. But that that was kind of funny for me to see that because I I missed that the first time around and now nice. I'm like oh hey I know those guys, but uh, so now uh, what do you have for the bad? I, I, actually, before I jump into the bad, can I throw one more good thing in? 
Oh, of course. Why not? Um, I, I did like how they handled Superman. Mm, um, yes. Yeah. Mainly because it wasn't as simple as just bringing him, you know, back. Um, I, I, I liked how they how how they tied his death into the activation of the mother boxes. I like how the use of Cyborg and his story to kind of get to the place where they try to use the mother box to resurrect him and successfully do so. But then it isn't that clean. You know, mm-hmm. he has to kind of remember who he was. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that whole kind of interchange where he was actually attacking them was kind of interesting. And then eventually bringing him in kind of toward the end made sense. It, it's almost like the same thing with Captain Marvel in, in Avengers Endgame, right? If you have, and, and you had said this a few episodes ago, if you had Captain Marvel showing up in the beginning of Infinity War, there there wouldn't have been a problem because she would have just wiped Thanos out. You know what I mean? Or, or, or yeah. it, it would have been a very different battle. Had she yeah, been if, if Captain Marvel or Scarlet Witch had been there exactly. it, from the beginning of that battle, it's exactly. over real quick. Game over, man. It's game over. And in, in, in those movies, they didn't show up until the end, you know, when they were really needed sort of thing. And, and I thought it was wise to use Superman in that way to not make it so tilted, you know, of, of, of a contest, so to speak, that, that you, you, mm. you had the five of them holding their own for the most part, but that he was really necessary to kind of, you know, push them over the edge in terms of taking down Steppenwolf. I, I love the pummeling of Steppenwolf. I just love how, like, Superman is just, like, over him, just, like, you know, boom! <laughs> just just yeah. laying laying haymakers into him, you know? <laughs> it's just like... Well, and so here's here's the thing, like, and, and I, I completely forgot this, and I'm glad you brought this up, because in the Justice League... The at the beginning of the Snyder cut, you like it is Superman's death. You, like you get the whole you get the whole Rocky two thing where you get almost a, right. a a vague repeat of the end of you know Batman versus Superman, and you see. But it's the idea of that his death radiating outward is the catalyst for all of this stuff to go into to start happening. Right. Not the case in Justice League. Oh, like it's it's only tied in very uh, later on, sort of as the t- as the team is getting together around the last mother box that they have, and then it's kind of like thrown out as like, oh yeah, this must be why it all happened. Okay, and then just mm-hmm. pimp off to go do whatever. I'm like, oh, so there's there's like v- no connective tissue. It's just like, well, things are happening because things happen, and this yeah. is a movie, and things happen. So therefore, you're gonna like it. Shut up and sit down and listen, you know. And I'm like. Uh, but it, again, so much better done. Like you say, his it, it, they they don't rush his coming back. Now there there is a little bit of a downside to that that I'll get into um, next. But yeah, yeah, overall just done so much better. And you get you get Superman in the black suit, which is not the case in Justice League. Mm-hmm. And you also see a bit more of a vicious side to Superman. Like you don't you do see this like this other gear to him, which you can kind of attribute to coming back from the dead and just everything that's kind of happened but they in in Justice League it's very kind of well I'm back and jokey 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 ha 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 you know after he kind of has a little bit of initial disorientation and then in the final fight like it's a couple like hey eye beams punch and that's it whereas in this one like Superman does like get a get pretty hardcore on him you're right like just throwing those those bombs at him it's just let's start building some hurting bombs it's totally different yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely. And definitely. I and I feel like it adds to the it adds to the overall weight of the battle. Like it actually makes that final right. battle feel like it's a real battle. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the bad. Really, what what I I, I mean I you know I I think we've already kind of talked about at length the the runtime of this was just a little bit crazy. I felt like there was still kind of that tendency, much like we talked about with Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman eighty four. There, there was still that tendency to kind of go a little haywire with some of the fights, mm. um, you know, with with a lot of just you know craziness in terms of the the action. Um, I was a little, and you know, this may be more me being ignorant of the comics and that sort of thing. I I, I was a little ignorant of the anti life thing. That that was that just felt kind of, I mean, that, that that was one thing that just kind of felt like plugged in kind of like mid or three quarters of the way through the movie when Steppenwolf kind of, you know, more like through with the mother boxes kind of like, like warps to this other like place and comes to realize mm-hmm. that earth is where this, this formula exists. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't understand was when you, when you go back to the origin story of the war, I thought, you know, that pattern that you see on the ground, that's all in red, which I'm assuming is the anti-life equation. Hmm was something that I thought Darkseid introduced when he like when he walks onto Earth in that in that you know in that battle from the past, he's the one who lays the sledgehammer down and, and you see that pattern appear. So I can't I so you know, as someone coming into this without all this background to it, I'm just like, wait a minute, you found the thing that I thought Darkseid was the one who introduced, you know? It was just it, it was yeah. a little confusing. You know, like we went from pursuing the mother boxes to the formula for anti-life, which I'm just kind of like, okay, well, which one are you going after? <laughs> you know, it just seemed kind of like all over the map, you know? Yeah, totally. And that's another thing that that the anti-life thing totally written out of the Justice League version, okay. not even mentioned okay. w- whatsoever. Which, you know, kind of for better or worse. I mean, it, it, take your pick. I don't. I don't know any of the real comic background on that. I just know it's a thing, um, but I don't know what sort of thing but yeah i agree that was that was a little bit weird to throw now a second macguffin in when you already have technically a macguffin that has three separate sub macguffins yes and getting a little complicated i got to keep track of my macguffins and speaking of the macguffins i couldn't help but draw lines from this over into marvel and just try to under and and maybe this is again my ignorance with with the the comics of you know that that inspired a lot of this I just felt like the mother boxes were a little too on the nose with the Infinity Stones, but yet not mm. like I felt the Infinity Stones were more fleshed out. You know what I mean? Like like the mother boxes are just like, we don't understand what this thing is, but we know that it causes change. We know if they get together, it's going to reform the entire Earth. And it's a bad thing if they form this unity. Um, mm. You know, the Infinity Stones had different properties to them, and you kind of understood when Thanos was going after all of them, why he wanted to bring them all together so he could wield them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the mother boxes were a little confusing at times, a little too on the nose to the Infinity Stones, but again, this is me coming from a Marvel movie background, not a pure, purest, you know, comic background. Right. And because of that, it just kind of felt like, like I, I actually kind of preferred if they would just have followed the anti-life thing, because at least that was something different from Marvel. You know, it wasn't a let's get these objects together to, to destroy the world sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. Thanos was doing something different with the stones. It wasn't about like turning Earth into some sort of, you know, hellscape, like what they were trying to do, you know, what Darkseid wanted to do. But mm-hmm. um but I still felt it was a little bit on the nose. Um, you, you, you touched on Bruce Wayne. I kind of was getting a Tony Stark feel from him during the movie, which I'm like, 
come on, guys. <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> number one, my daughter would not disagree with you because she's like, Tony Stark is so much better. I'm like, well, Bruce Wayne's been around longer than Tony Stark. I you know, hate yeah. to break it to you. Yeah. But but if you thought he was uh, he was a little too starky in this version, good lord! In in Joss Whedon's version, Worse. yeah, it just played up so much. Tried to get too much, way too much Robert Downey Jr. and and Ben Affleck ain't no Robert Downey Jr. and that's right. no shade at Ben Affleck. Like he's just a different actor. Yes, you know yes. that's not necessarily his thing. Like it, honestly, his character in that in that version came off like almost like he was trying to channel some of the characters he played in like Kevin Smith movies. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with this I felt like he was he was a totally much more Bruce Wayne than he was in the Justice League movie. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I, I did not like that was, you know, kind of pushing in the Tony Stark direction was in the epilogue when he's having the dream and oh Joker's gosh. talking about how he's unwilling to let himself be the one who dies. I'm like Okay, now you're just cripping from the whole whole hog at this point because that that was the whole thing. Like like when we talked about uh, you, you know in past episodes when uh, I, like you and I have never done a show that's strictly about Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame, but we've talked about them tangentially. And mm-hmm. when we have had those discussions, I have said the one thing that so impressed me about you know going all the way back to Avengers one that played out in Avengers Endgame was the fact that Captain America said to Tony Stark in the first Avengers that you are not the guy to make the sacrifice play. You never will mm. be. And yet it was Tony in the end in Endgame that did the sacrifice play because without him using the stones and killing and essentially killing himself by using the stones, then they never would have you know, they wouldn't have been victorious over Thanos. Mm-hmm. Here it just felt like such a bolt on at the end. Like you know, like 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 I felt like Bruce Wayne's purpose in this movie was to bring the group together and to fight this thing and overcome it. And if they had just cut it off at the end of Cyborg's, you know, Cyborg's father's speech, you know, when they're kind of seeing where all the characters are doing now and stuff, if they had just stopped the movie at that point, that would have been enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. But to go to this other place, and I'm not talking so much just about the dream sequence, but just the fact that it's like Joker's like, you're 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 not the guy that, that will sacrifice himself for stuff. I'm like, come on. You know, like now he is just a ripoff of Tony Stark, because that was his story in Avengers. Well, keep in mind though, I mean, this was this was 2017 was when this was supposed to come out, and we did not get Endgame and Infinity War. Now it, you're you're right. There is a bit of cribbing going on there. Uh, although I would I would argue that it was more about the willingness, the willingness of the character for self sacrifice, and and Tony Stark never truly had to test that because he could always either one you know he could pay a buttload of money and make something happen, right. or he was smart enough that he could do something and he he always had another way out. Yeah, he always had an out somewhere, and. You know, that's kind of that was even his point in that scene is like he didn't have to do it. You know, in Captain America, for him, it was always very straightforward. Like if this happens, then you do this and you sacrifice yourself like Steve Rogers was always willing to sacrifice himself. And Tony Stark, it's not he never really had was put to that test the way that Captain America was even at the end of his that that first movie with him where 
this is what he has to do and he's willing to do it. Mm-hmm. So he had that test himself and, and, and I, you know, Tony Stark never really had that test. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, well, I've never been put in that position, you know? And so it was a little unfair. I mean, in, in one way it was, it was totally fair what he's saying, but in, a, in another way it's kind of unfair because like, well, he's just never been in the same position that you were Steve, right. you know? Right. And the odd thing is in this movie and then even more so in the Justice League movie, Batman is damn near suicidal in Justice League movie. Like he is he is totally trying to get himself killed hmm. <laughs> in that flick. Like you see much more of of of, of Batman getting beat up uh, at one point, you know, like Wonder Woman has to put his shoulder back in because when he got you know, he gets smacked aside by Superman. It dislocates his shoulder and all this. Mm. And, you know, the po- the whole point of him drawing away all the parademons and stuff in the Justice League movie, he's essentially doing that. And, and it's like a suicide mission. And they all show up and make a big big point of like, oh, no, we're doing this together. And we're not going to let you kill your, get yourself killed for our benefit. So it's a little bit less in this. But I also feel like... Yes and no. I, I, yeah. I, it's just, I was just trying to provide context. I'm not so much disagreeing with you. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I just, I, mm, I'm a little bit shaded just by from having the Justice League version where I'm like, no, no, he's totally, he's like, just like diving under grenades all damn movie, and and people are yanking him off. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm a little tainted by that. Yeah. You know, th- th- those are the main things. Um, for, for me, because like I said, I, I liked Cyborg's development. I liked the Flash's development. I liked, you know, Aquaman's development. Um, you know, I thought Wonder Woman played, you know, her character was solid in it. I, you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting. It was an interesting approach to have, you know, Steppenwolf be the primary antagonist and not bring Darkseid in. Like it almost it, in some ways is kind of like, you know, what, what they did with Thanos in Avengers 1 where they kind of brought him in in terms of his presence but not with him actually doing anything mm. but at the same time you're kind of like okay well where where is this leading to that you know i mean now now that they've they've overcome the mother boxes it's like well now what is he doing you know and mm. it just it i i don't know there, there was something about it like i i really appreciated in infinity war and endgame that they spent the time to develop thanos as a character himself you know like there was yeah something driving him that you know, if if you took a step back and 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 could just like look at the argument he was making, you could say, okay, I, I in some ways I can understand why someone would think that way, even though the conclusion you're coming to is just bat spit insane. You know, like yes. like like the idea that you're just going to wipe out half of life, you know, in order to keep it going. I mean, at some point, life will catch back up again. You know, I mean, it's like it's not like it's an all or nothing proposal. Life. Uh- finds a way mm-hmm. um, but with dark side it's like we, we don't really know i mean other than him being this like you know th- this character who just wants to make every planet he you know uh, he invades subservient to him it's just like that's it you know it just it, it feels kind of you know james bondish in a way you know it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it but you know, I, I would have liked a little more time kind of understanding, you know, Darkseid as a character and, and what it is that motivates him and what why he wants to do what he wants to do other than just, you know, the, the you know, from the old Christopher Nolan uh, uh, series, uh, you know, when Alfred says, you know, some people just want to wa- watch the world burn. 
that's the sense I'm getting with dark side. I mean, that's really all he wants to do, you know? And, and it's, and for mm-hmm. me, it's like, I, I've, I don't know if I've been spoiled by other films, but I just like the villains to be a little more nuanced than that. So, yeah. So those are the bads yeah. for, for, for me for the most part. Um, yeah. Overall. Well, I think, and, and well justified in all those. And I, I think we are spoiled a little bit by what MC, what the, what Marvel has done over the last you know, 10 some odd years. Like I said, the intro, it's tough not to compare those two. And that was always going to be the problem with a justice league movie anyways, is that it's taken. So, you know, they're so far behind Marvel and, you know, you want to see these characters come together and Marvel's doing it this way. So, Hey, let's do it ourselves. And if you goof it up, man, it seems even worse because you have the example of how it's being done really right over here. You know, it's like if you if you're trying to have an award winning garden and you've got the people next door who have won that award like 10 years in a row and you plant all these seeds and all this stuff and just nothing grows and you got like just brown rose bushes and wilted daisies and stuff like it looks even worse compared to like the Garden of Eden that's right across, you know, right over the other side of the fence. You know, it's 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 really a rough comparison. Agreed. And you, sir. Well, for me, first thing, first thing, so much slow-mo. Oh, <laughs> my good freaking Lord. Yeah. This movie could have been three hours long if there had just been no slow-mo. <laughs> it feels like literally a quarter oh. of this movie was just characters... Like, and... I get it. You're going to use slow-mo for some dramatic effect, but it's it was all the time. All the time. Everywhere. Did you all feel, the time. Did you feel in some ways, though, it, it, it took away from the Flash to some degree? I didn't, it didn't take... I mean, uh, maybe in retrospect a little bit. It just took me, like, after a while, like, it's taking for friggin' ever to get through this movie because we're slowing down mm-hmm. every other scene. Yeah. And I just and felt yeah, like but it, it does. You're, you know what? You're right. Because now they think about it. Yeah. Because there are those moments when the flash is moving and all that. Yeah. No, you're totally right. It, it does take away a little bit from that. But for me, it was just, oh, my gosh. Now, granted, please, can we just speed this up? Granted, the idea is, is that you, you may need to see him in that state so you can appreciate what he's doing. But at the same time, when you see him moving so slowly, mm-hmm. it just kind of removes the spectacle of what he's supposed to be which is this ultra fast person like even at the end i was i was a little bit confused of what it was he was doing like just running around outside while cyborg was trying to you know hook into the mother box and i'm like okay at some point isn't he going to like try to touch him <laughs> like where, 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 why is he running in circles outside you know and, and you're watching him in slow-mo and it's just so like yeah I mean, it just it like took away from it to some degree you know like maybe there's yeah. a better way to visualize that in some ways yeah no I, I think that's true i think that's a very fair point it's something i hadn't thought about until you just mentioned it that is that is definitely true Another thing is, uh, you know, and this is just kind of an overall theme, but it, it it takes itself way too seriously, and it doesn't really earn it taking itself way too seriously. Uh, part of the reason why we, we called this episode Dark Side of the Gloom is because one of the reasons why we ended up with Jokey Justice League is because there was a lot of feeling in the studio that things were getting way too dark, that the DC universe was just way too dark it was way too gritty and and all that and and in the meantime 
you know, Marvel is is in all these different directions, and a lot of their stuff is light and nice and shiny. And hey, the Guardians of the Galaxy is making a billion dollars, and all that. Like, how come we can't have some jokey joke with some serious, serious and and a better blend? And I'm guessing there they just never had watched a Zack Snyder movie because I'm like, this is what this guy does. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if this is the guy you want to steer your ship. This is what you're gonna get. He doesn't do jokey, jokey, light candy-colored, you know, uh, you know, scenes. Like right. his stuff is gritty and dark, and looks like it looks like it was done, you know, animated in real time by Frank Miller, you know, and then lit by the same guy, the same cinematographer who shot The Godfather. Mm. You know, it that's what his stuff looks like. And it, you know, I get it that that Justice League was way too jokey. But man, this just takes itself so seriously and is so earnest. And 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 part of it is a slow mo, like everything is like a very slow turn and a you know grimace on the face of the hero, looking really earnest. It's like, oh, lighten up, come on, lighten up, Francis. Granted, the Flash gives you a little bit of you know leavens some of that. And I, it's not like I want to have a joke every second, but oh my gosh, this movie just took itself so seriously yeah I, I i read today you know i was reading about that that five movie arc that snyder was planning and yeah i think it was it, like you said it's it was man of steel batman v superman and then it would be yeah justice league and then there would be two more justice league movies and i think and, and what i remember reading this afternoon was um that for for snyder batman v snoop v v snoop Snooper. I keep wanting to say Superman. <laughs> Getting into Snoopy. Superman. We're going uh, to have a crossover with Peanuts oh, in the DC boy. universe. Why not? At least um, the music would be better. Good yeah, Lord. Definitely. Um, but basically, that that would be kind of the dark movie, and then he would start to lighten it across the three like Justice League movies that he was planning. You know, so mm-hmm. so the tone would start to get more hopeful, more positive, more writer as he would work through those movies which i found kind of interesting um yeah i I I haven't seen batman v superman so i don't i i know you know how it ends and and what ends up happening but i just find it kind of an interesting you know just interesting that he was kind of thinking that way yeah my advice is don't it's it's not it's just not that good yeah it it just really isn't actually go back and just watch uh like the two two and a half minute trailer that they released for it when it first came out you've got the movie everything is in the trailer everything what i love about the trailer is is how mad bruce looks when his building gets smashed yeah yeah well i mean (laughs) at least that's understandable i mean sheesh i mean granted he can buy a new one but still i mean Yeah. yeah and then uh kind of the last kind of the bad is so uh you know you have superman comes back to life uh you know torches out a bunch of humvees and then lois comes up and they blast off at mach 5 to go to kansas okay fine and then they spend so much time in kansas i'm like where wait a minute time out like steppenwolf's got all three mother boxes Mm -hmm. all three he he got the set he's collected all of the sitgo gas station glasses and now he he can be, get his masters of the universe degree or whatever but there's no real rush for soups to do anything go anywhere or intervene and even even the the rest of the justice league again not really not really in that much of a hurry but we spend so much time in Kansas it's like steppenwolf taking a nap like what what was going on 
Like, was there is there other ins- instructions that we need to go through? Like, were there incantations that took five days or something? Like, it just took so long there. It felt unnaturally yeah. slow yeah. at that part. Like, this 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 doesn't work out time wise. Yeah. Like, you took me out of something that I was kind of starting to really get on board with, and now it's like you're spending an awful lot of time, you know, in a cornfield when the when the fate of the world is is at stake yeah you know it feels like it feels like you got some place to be soups well, you know it comes back to i think the you know just how overblown the length of this is you know i mean it's just like there, there, there's so much you're trying to accomplish mm. and mm-hmm. it feels like you know with with them trying to do this all in one, you know with with this cut being all of this in one shot um I understand like it's it's like I understand it to a degree but at the same time I don't I I agree with what you're saying you know it's like it 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 doesn't logically make sense when you figure in all the other events that are going on but yet at the same time it is an interesting storytelling device to have the guy that they resurrect and need have to go undergo some sort of journey to remember who he is yeah, but but again, when when you have so many things going on in a movie, you can't service all of them in the way that you want, and you know that's where I think if they had moved, you know, some of the the the, the character and world building to solo movies, like you know if they did, I mean even if they tried to do like here's something they really hadn't done before, like what if they did like a Flash Cyborg movie where you kind of you know kind of had their origin stories told in parallel, you know, or something like that. Do it in that movie, and then when you get to Justice League, you don't have to spend all that time kind of building that out. You know, I mean, it's it it just it it really, it really just just took away from it because you had so many things you had to service, and 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 so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, the other thing that that got on my nerves too is the plane won't fly for anyone but Cyborg. I'm like, what the crap is this all about? I'm sorry, it, like it, it, Bruce Wayne is you know building this plane and he's got all these toys and all these gadgets but for some reason he can't get this plane to fly and oh it's some software issue and then cyborg can get it to fly without really any explanation and then they crash the plane in about five minutes later like who gives a like that entire arc was so wasted in such a like there is precious screen time like when you're getting up around four hours man I, as as good as you think your movie is, you need an editor. Yes. You know, and as much as I as I appreciated how okay, Zack Snyder finally got to do his thing and he got to put all but it's like, dude, you don't have to put all of the footage in. Not everything what, that you had was that brilliant of an idea. Like that that little sto- that little mini story arc didn't need to be in there. That's at least 15 minutes of screen time between all the little bits and bobs and everything else that you could just zip right out of there and, and get us under the four hour mark that would have made me feel better like three hours and 45 minutes damn that's still a long time but eh, okay we're, at least we're in striking distance of like you know dances with wolves or something now like it's it's not far and away so much longer than everything else you're getting closer to what we normally think of as a movie you know uh, but once you break that four hour mark it's like nope this is an insomnia cure so that that to me was just it was just silly and stupid because again like you have this person who does all these things. Technically, he's got his own bat cave and all this stuff, but yet can't get a plane to fly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, doesn't it doesn't hold water? It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't need to be in the movie. Like it's just, oh hey, look, I got this plane. All right, cool. Let's get in it and go. You know, let's go to the wannabe Chernobyl, and 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 there we go. That that's all you need. 
It's just another gizmo. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Woo. Didn't need to have its own story arc. We, I mean, we didn't even know what the name of the plane was. It wasn't even the bat plane. It was an experimental troop carrier, blah, 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 blah. And oh, by the way, is it going to crash? Yeah. Okay. Lame. Yeah. Agreed. So that brings us down to now the next category, the ugly. So. Ding, ding. Here we go. What do you got, sir? For me, the biggest ugly or, or, or the thing I'm going to focus on is, is the epilogue. And I kind of said this already during the bad. I, I, I thought, you know, the, the character of Cyborg's father and, and, you know, as he's listening to the recording and what he's saying and how it's, you know, visiting all the characters and they're all kind of, you know, going their own ways. And there, there's a bit of closure to some of the things we saw from the beginning of the movie. I thought at the end of that, if they had just ended it there, mm-hmm. then, then I, I would really struggle to find an ugly. The ugly comes with this this vision or dream that Bruce Wayne has mm-hmm. that shows um, it, it's not entirely clear to me if it's Darkseid's ship or or what it is, but but the but something bad has happened to Earth. Game over, man. It's game over. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole you know interchange that happens between the Batman and Joker. And this is Jared Leto's Joker, so I, I'm assuming this is all new content that wasn't in the the uh, Justice League, as you call it. No, and just for just for a little bit of context, that post-apocalyptic Batman, Mad Max Batman, if you will, yes. was uh, in Batman v Superman. Like he started having these visions in that movie, okay. and that's part of the part of the impetus for. You know where the 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 fighty fighty between Batman and Superman okay. is that okay. Batman's having these visions, and now it's showing. Oh, he's still having these visions. Right. So just a little bit of that. That there is a reference point outside of this movie for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there, it's quite possible that that was not a complete reshoot or like added. That that was footage that that Snyder had shot. I, now I don't know that for certain, but there is a possibility that that was something that he shot, mm-hmm. planning for it to be in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I just found it to be too much mm-hmm. because in that scene, you're seeing that Batman, Cyborg, and and several others. One of them being um, I can't think of his name, Joe Joe Langtello. I I'm saying his name wrong. Yeah, what was his what was his character? Slade I Wilson, no who's also known as something. I I I'd have to look it up. Um, oh yeah, because he Deathstroke. was a Deathstroke. Yes, that was that because that was the that was who they ripped off for Deadpool, right? And and <laughs> Slade Wilson and Wade Wilson. I mean, why not? Yes, you know? and and so, you know, we we see in the epilogue there, there's this whole thing with Lex Luthor, and he's, you know, telling Deathstroke like who Batman is by telling him it's Bruce Wayne, and so okay, great. So Lex Luthor is going to be pulling some shenanigans or something like that. Evil shenanigans. And then we jump to this vision of the future and Deathstroke is working with Batman and Cyborg and, and some of the other characters. We get uh-huh. a heavy implication that Aquaman is no more, that Wonder Woman is no more. And based on things that the Joker's saying that, you know, there was at one point Robin and Robin is no more. Uh-huh. Uh, and that something must have happened to Lois Lane, which has triggered Superman to now be evil as opposed to good. It was just like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I was just oh like, yeah. I'm like, folks, you you just finished a uh, you know almost a four hour story. We don't need more at this point. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, but then again, that's that's again, that's like the 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 vestigial tale or the appendix of of this entire thing because it's like, okay, this is what would have been. Um, and and Zack Snyder's already said like there's he doesn't have a plan he doesn't he isn't going to make a sequel unless mm-hmm. Warner Brothers contracts him to do it, which would be really tough to do because I wonder how far off, how much course correction you would need to do for these other flicks that have already happened, like Aquaman and Wonder Woman 84, although right. we could all just forget 84 ever happened, and I'd be fine with that. But then you have stuff like, you know, um, you have the new Suicide Squad coming out, and then, um, you know, you have a bunch of other stuff that's already on, kind of in the planning stages, how you would actually reconcile all of that. I have no idea, but, you know, it's already such a mess. Why not? It, um, it but felt, yeah, it's it's so weird. Yeah, like like it felt like... What would what would have been a a good beginning to maybe the next movie as kind of a we're jumping to the future, and you're just kind of like what the heck happened, and then the movie is servicing that story. That makes sense. I just don't I don't understand why this had to be included. It it, it I mean you're literally starting down a new path from mm-hmm. what you just ended on, and it would have been enough to I mean even if you had included the Martian Manhunter scene at the end too. You know, like oh yeah, that was bizarre. Like that that character is kind of just like stepping into the flick. Like uh, what? Huh? Yeah, because that it, wasn't a Justice League whatsoever. And and there's just no context for it. You have no idea. You know, again, if 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 you're not someone who follows the comics like religiously, it's like you don't have any context for this stuff. It's just like just thrown in there. And at least when Marvel had done end credit scenes or did you know little you know epilogue type things like that, they were short and they were focused. You know, like this was just like all over the map. I mean, first of all, I think it was a gimmick to just bring the Joker in because for whatever reason, like like I remember, you know, Jared Leto's Joker, you know, got some some high marks and some high praise when when he you know, when when he did that character. So I, I in some ways I felt like it was gimmicky to bring him in and then to use him as this tool to kind of do all this exposition about what's been going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, why? I mean, it's just like we already know they already established that Darkseid is going to come back at some point. So just leave it there and end the Dean movie. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what the heck? I mean, this movie had more false endings than the end of the Lord of the Rings. Oh, it was like every time you thought, no, now there's more. It's like, oh, for crying out loud, just be done with it. Be done with it. And I, I agree. Like that was that was just so much and it was really jarring going from Lex Luthor and and Deathstroke to then immediately jumping forward and oh now we're in this other thing and there's no kind of frame of reference for it you have no reference for what just happened like you just saw this thing on a boat and now you're in this post-apocalyptic Mad Max world right you know there's 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 no frame of reference for it but now like you say like this guy who was going to go out and get Bruce Wayne now he's he's friends with him yes like or at least they're working together yeah Yeah, it was just it was bizarre and weird and here's the thing this is why again this is a cinematic oddity more than a movie because Warner Brothers slash HBO was willing to throw this many millions of dollars at at Zack Snyder to complete his vision because they were going to use this as an anchor for the streaming service to, to kind of pull people in and hey maybe we can make a couple shekels off of this there was so much money committed to this that you're about as close to having a blank check as possible so you can do whatever the hell you want 
And again, as we've talked about before in, in re-George Lucas and the prequel trilogy, sometimes that's not a good thing for yeah. a creative person yeah. to be able to just do whatever the hell you want. Because sometimes, yeah, 90% of those ideas might be great, but that 10% of bad ideas mm. is really going to sour at least some of that 90% of good ideas. Yeah. And like and like with the whole arc with the plane, this is just some this stuff that just because you can put it in, you do, doesn't mean you should put it in. Yeah. And I think you rightly so had picked up on that totally. And and now that I think about it, even the Lex Luthor scene was completely unnecessary. Unless you had Lex Luthor in league with Dark Seed, Dark Side. Sorry, I don't know why I said Seed. Like make him relevant to the story. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I just felt like this was just, okay, he escaped from Arkham Asylum. He's sitting on a boat, and he's getting Deathstroke to go after Batman. What the heck does mm-hmm. that have to do with anything that came before? <laughs> you know, it's like... Well, in, so in the Justice League, it, it's totally different. He does not reveal who Batman is. He basically says, well, we ought to start a league of our own, mm. which is like the League of Doom. You know, and, and that whole... So you have Justice League, you have League of Doom. So it's you have these two warring kind of factions of good guys and bad guys and that's the direction they go in there for this it went a very different direction which is uh, uh, the original intention um, which I'm guessing probably would have led into a League of Doom movie but then again if you're if you're gonna do that, then why the hell the whole thing with the post-apocalyptic scene and how do those two cross over and work? Exactly. I, I, it's yeah, the whole thing is just such a kind of mess that it's like you didn't need to throw everything in. Yep. It would have been okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I I agree, sir. Ugly. I agree. U G L Y. You ain't got no alibi. Uh huh. So is that? Uh, are you done with uh with your ugliness? I am done or with do you have with some what more? I felt was the ugly from the movie. Uh, sorry. What what do you have, sir? I've. I've uh, oh no! I just wanted to make sure. Dominated I you to get the mic the, here. So please. This should be a catharsis. I wanted you to be able to get it all out oh, here. Oh, I feel you much know, better this now. Is, this is therapy. This is therapeutic. Or it should be. For me, I think that, and this is not so much ugly. It's just, it's the overarching thing that was a takeaway, and it was right there before we even pressed play on this thing, and it's still there at the end of it. It, it was not going to change. I'm pretty sure we, I, I even mentioned this in previous episodes. No matter how good this was, it still ain't going to change nothing. It's, it was still a flawed movie to start with, and it's only going to get slightly less flawed because you started out with a premise that you were already moving too fast. The setup for this movie did not have enough going for it. You did not properly set up Batman. You'd, you'd set up Superman pretty well with Man of Steel. That was a pretty good flick and a pretty good retelling of the origin story of Superman. But you really you had a brand new Batman that you're just going to now you're going to throw out and say, hey, best, by the way, Ben Affleck is Batman. You love Batman, so just go watch it and shut your mouth. And that was kind of the attitude without setting it up. And, and the thing is, you've changed who Bat... You've done some different things with Batman's character, and you've done some very different things with Alfred, who is really almost like part and parcel with Batman. You have changed that character significantly. There's a big difference between Michael Caine and Jeremy Irons' characters. Like, you've got, you've got, you've got Butler Alfred, and then you've got Tactical Alfred, mm-hmm. who... It, there's not a not a butler tuxedo or uniform to be seen. He's wearing the baggy cargo pants with the boots, like the with the pants tucked into the boots, like he's about ready to go into some bunker. And uh, it, it's just a, a totally different character. 
no setup for it at all. Just, hey, by the way, and he's living in a lake house. Okay, I guess, whatever. I, it, it makes no sense, and there's no setup for it. So your, your two main characters going into Batman v Superman, one has been set up somewhat well, the other one, not at all. Yeah. And you do, and and by the time you get into a movie of that size, you ain't gonna do more no more setup on one of them. Mm. Those are your two main characters, and so you're already hobbled because Batman is undercooked. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this movie, uh, well, and then you have Wonder Woman tossed in there. But you know that's great, but now you're still one short. You're still two out of three are are, are kind of built up, and you just killed one of them off. So now you're going into your neck into your big Justice League movie. The one char- one of the characters that was set up well. He dead. The other one, she's still alive. And then you still have, you know, the slightly undercooked Batman just kind of puttering along. And we're still trying to figure out who the hell that is. Yeah. And now now we have to introduce more characters, including like your big bad and your 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 big, big bad, along with two other running buddies for for these guys. Just too much. Yeah. There's too much going on. You're already set up for failure. Your foundation, if it's not unstable, it is cracked in several places. Mm-hmm. So at best, this movie was going to patch a few of those cracks, but it's still cracked. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about that. So it's a nice cinematic oddity, but the ugly of it is no matter how good this was, it don't make a damn bit of difference in terms of the overall DC movie universe. It's still flawed as hell. Mm-hmm. And there ain't no way to fix it, really. You're going to make it a little bit better, but you already goofed this thing way at the beginning. It'd be like if in Iron Man 2, they all of a sudden turned, you know, instead of firing, you know, Terrence Howard, they decided to recast Tony Stark right. and start over. Right. You're not catching up from that now. You know, you're, and if you're already in progress, like the after Iron Man 2, then you're going to have Avengers right after that. You're screwed. Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of my ugly thing there. I mean, along with what you said, because you're totally right on, but the ugly thing is, it's just, it's not going to improve it that much. Now it did improve and it did kind of help me feel a little bit better about some of the, the characters coming out of that. But what's it really matter? Are we getting, is, is Henry Cavill even going to be around for another Superman? Is that ever going to happen? Affleck has already said he's out. So you're not, you're going to, I think there's one more appearance that he's going to make in the Flash movie is kind of like a, yeah, I guess I'll, I guess I'll do it because you're going to pay me a bunch of money. But now you're recasting Batman again. Yeah. Jared Leto isn't coming back as the Joker because I think they, he already went through enough crap with that. So I don't think he's coming back. You're already, I mean, they just, they keep on trying to redo this stuff and pretend like, oh no, you love these comic book characters. Yeah, but shut up and just go watch it. Okay. You know, it's like you got Draw Vince McMahon yelling. money. Yeah, and people still go to the movies. I mean, hey, listen, I've, I've been kicked around by DC just as much. I'm not a huge fan, but I've watched enough of these movies that, and I still watch, you know, this flick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm just as guilty of it as anybody, but it's just, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't going to get any, it wasn't, if it was going to get better, it wasn't going to get that much better. Yes. I guess that's my takeaway. Agreed. Agreed. And another thing. All right, sir, what do you got for and another thing this week? Uh, my and another thing, uh, taking a, a beat from you, my friend, and realizing I, I was getting a little too uh, deep in the TV zone, need to read a little bit. But uh, 
my my wife had gotten me a while back. Tom Papa is is a comedian who we've we've heard uh, on on a show we we used to listen to, and I say used to because uh, given COVID, it hasn't been in in production for quite some time. Mm. But it was basically the show that kind of took over from a Prairie Home Companion. It was called Live from Here. Um, mm. And uh, Tom Papa was part of the crew that did that show, and he would come on and and basically, um, you know, do a little telling of a book that you know, like a, a, a subset from from a book that he wrote, you know, like a, a ten minute bit or something like that. It was really funny. Mm. He, he's just a very very funny guy. But this book is called uh, "Your Dad Stole My Rake and Other Family <laughs> Dilemmas." Um, I love the title. That's uh, awesome. And and it's a very Tom Papa kind of title, <laughs> sort of thing. But, I love um, it. But but basically the description for it is, uh, how do you deal with a life filled with a whole host of characters and their bizarre, inescapable behavior, especially when you're related to them? Tom Papa is here to help you make sense of it all. Your Dad Stole My Rake is a hilarious and warm book that saws deep into every branch of the family tree and uncovers the most bizarre and surprisingly meaningful aspects of our lives. He exposes everyone from crazy aunts with mustaches, grandparents who communicate by yelling, <laughs> and uncles who use marijuana as a condiment. Uh, <laughs> among the top, that's a that's a good line. Damn. Uh, among the topics covered: Tiger Mom versus Ice Cream Mom. Stop trying to be cool. In defense of family vacations, which, by the way, he actually did a reading of that uh, of, of an excerpt from that chapter on the on the show live from here um, that mm -hmm. we attended in in um, uh, here in Chicago, and I was tears were just were just falling from my eyes. I was laughing so hard. I mean, he just knows how to just capture the essence of like certain situations that you've lived through. And you're like, I know exactly what he's talking about sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, no fighting before coffee, least popular baby names, the wife lie detector and your cat thinks you're too needy. Uh, so anyone who has a family, grew up in a family, or spent time with another human being will love this book. So I, I've started reading this. I haven't finished it. I'm about halfway through. But it's just some really, really funny anecdotes, observations, and just uh, comedy from, from this gentleman. So I would highly recommend it. Your Dad Stole My Rake and Other Family Dilemmas by Tom Papa. That sounds awesome. I might have to, I might have to <laughs> wrangle me a copy of that just for the title alone. Well, and, and do try to look up his stuff. I, I think there's some bits on YouTube and stuff, too, um, that you can see of him. He, he's, he's just a funny guy. So check it out. Check it out. Nice. And you, sir, what do you have? Well, for me, I'm going to go back to the well for me. Uh, this is a, 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 a little thing that I like to plug any given moment of any given day to any given person that I encounter because I feel like I need to be evangelistic about this band and about uh, their music. And so this, year, uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Tower of Power. Mm -hmm. Tower of Power is a soul band playing soul music for 52 years. Say what? 53 years coming up this year. And they just released their 50th anniversary show, which was recorded live at the Fox Theater in Oakland, California, the mm. birthplace of Tower of Power, in June of 2018. So it's been a, it's been a hot minute as they've been getting this ready, um, which has kind of been the the thing they they did the same thing with their 40th anniversary show it took a couple of years past 40 to get it uh in our grubby little mitts but hey better late than never and uh this is a phenomenal show nice. um 
when they did their 40th anniversary show, they brought back a lot of different horn players. They had a couple of different singers. Their singer at the time, Larry Braggs, plus another uh, singer from their past, Ellis Hall. And they had a bunch of different things going on for that. This felt like it was more of the core band with a couple of guests coming out for specific songs. However, they had some some really good guests. The, the top one for me as a saxophone player uh, would be Mr. Lenny. Pickett nice. coming and making an appearance at this show, playing some classic tunes. He is a uh, Lenny Pickett. For those of you who don't know, he is the leader, the music leader of the Saturday Night Live band, and uh, just a phenomenal tenor saxophone player from Tower Power's heyday back in the mid '70s. So he does a couple of guest spots on here, but there's a couple of other guys that jump up and play some important parts. But man, just an almost two-hour double album. With tons of their just their great song, greatest hits, and uh, you know some of them just have a, a little bit of edge to them. That when I went to see them uh, a couple of years ago down in in Brooklyn, the same sort of thing. Like they took some of the songs down a little bit, like played them a little bit slower, a little bit greasier, mm. and oh, it's so good. And it's also a a showcase for the young singer who they had singing with them at the time, uh, one Mr. Marcus Scott, who unfortunately is not with the band anymore, and I have no idea why he is not with the band. Uh, I don't think it was his idea. And uh, man, just an amazing singer. And, and just a great, great, great album. If you have a streaming service, it is on Apple Music. I'm sure it's on Spotify and all the other places that you can get music. Um, you can also go to, um, I believe their their website is towerofpower.com. And you can get, I, I know it's on vinyl. I'm hoping that, because uh, I want to order it, I'm hoping that it is double vinyl and they don't like shortcut and be like, hey, here's a here's a sampling of the 22 hours worth of music. That can't happen. I'm hoping it's a double or triple vinyl but definitely check this out if if you've never heard of this band this is a fantastic way Mm -hmm. to get into this band because it is a ton of songs throughout their entire 50-year history i mean there's literally a a song from their first album back in 1969 and then there is songs off of their most recent albums uh, which are just a couple years old so it is a great sampling of their music definitely listen to it cram it into your ear hole over and over and over again you will thank me. Very nice. Well, uh, as usual, we are now coming to the, uh, I shouldn't say as usual, we are now coming to the end of our time together. I know, I know, parting is such sweet sorrow. Well, except when it's with us, and then you're just like, thank God. (laughs) Right? It's almost as long as the freaking Snyder Cut. Good sweet Moses. <laughs> the funny thing is, even though this episode probably is a little bit longer, it still doesn't compare to some of the longer ones that we've done. Oh gosh, <laughs> no. We we have some tomes back in back in the early days, BSG especially, my friend. Our shows have been on slim fast lately. It's been <laughs> we've been kind of cutting that stuff down. It's been great, but we definitely do want to thank all of our listeners, all of our subscribers. Uh, and uh, hey, you know what? We passed fifteen hundred downloads. Which is, Mm -hmm. considering that we have done everything possible to make this really difficult for people to listen to, the fact that we've had 1,500 downloads is just remarkable to me. And, man, y'all are probably sick and twisted people out there listening, and we we love you for it. Thank you so much for listening. You are the best. You're the best. Um, And don't don't talk about the diarrhea since Easter's. Uh, Let's not do that. But... uh, (laughs) 
that Nacho Libre reference. Come on now. Um, again, another old movie that we're trying to refer to. Good Lord, we're dusty. Oh, uh, so yeah. uh, thank you for listening. And if, you have, if you're just kind of joining the Free Range EDC congregation, we do, we do appreciate it. We aren't going to be passing the, the collection plate right now. However, what you can do for us is you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Podbean. Be sure to, to hammer that subscription button and then download everything like two, three times. Get those numbers up to 1,600, 2,000. That's what we're looking for. Um, and then if you want to follow us on the social medias, because we love us some social medias, you uh, you go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, we love us some Twitter. We are at all three of those at Free Range Idiocy. And by the way, uh, if you go to freerangeidiocy.com, you can find all of our episodes listed out there for you uh, for your your auditory imbibement. And if you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, suggestions, or if you just want to tell us, you know what, you guys just need to shut your yaps, you send that right to Tim at freerangeidiocy.com and he will take care of that forthwith, if not sooner. Post haste. And so now, finally, I am done talking. And again, from the congregation, hallelujah, thank God, I thought he'd never shut up. Uh, so now I hand off to my friend and colleague now for over 20 years, good Lord. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, if you think about this, We've known each other and been friends longer than we've either one of us has been married. Ah, uh, might be a tie. I'm I'm approaching two decades this year, my friend. You know what that means, though. No, no, but I, I knew you before then. So yes, you're you're right. You're right. We might actually be soulmates. Oh, good lord. <laughs> I know it's terrifying. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> so I like to turn to my to my uh, to my. Uh, I'm not going to call you my soulmate. To my to my partner in crime now for well over 20 years, and I, I like to think back over the episode and and just mull all this over in Justice League, Justice League, Zack Snyder, and all the different stuff that's been going on, and just pause for a moment. Deep breath. And ask one simple question: Not what is hip. We learn tonight. We've learned the following, my friend. Oh, good. I always, I always like it when you have a list. First of all, spring is here. That is all. It is, it is warming up, and I'm, I'm just happy about that. So, <laughs> just the a, birds are chirping. I just had to throw that in there. BSG reboot is going nowhere fast. Thank you, God. You know, it's, it's just not, and, and no one's losing any sleep over it. So, um, we'll just keep you. Uh, you know, abreast of any sort of uh, movements, whether it be backwards or further backwards. Um, you know who's not losing any sleep over this? This S-Mail dude, because he's laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, I'm telling you. So, so, a, someone's paying him just to show up, so you know how it it's is. It's a Ponzi scheme, I tell you, and we need to get in on that, too. Absolutely, along with the rumor mongers. Uh, yes, indeed. You know, we also learned, uh, you know, in our chef's corner, uh, the, so- the, the Sar of Jar... The Sar of Jar. Oh, my God. Can, can you cut that? Jar Jar Binks? Good Lord. <laughs> let's, let's take that over. <laughs> Good Lord. The Czar of Char is back, baby. Grill is out. Uh, did some grilling tonight. Uh, just kind of getting back into the rhythm again. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's all opening up again. Warmth, being outdoors cooking up some good food it's it's just that time of year and, and I'm, I'm thrilled that it's back and then finally or not finally two more uh justice league is bad snyder cut pretty good just really really long so yeah. make sure you spread it out over about four nights and you should have it covered pace yourself uh, hydrate you know it's 
you know, be sure you stretch first. Oh, you please know. do. You don't want to pull a muscle watching that thing. Yeah. Pull a hammy. And finally, not that we're keeping score here, but I, I just want to say this. Uh, the oh, real and the jabroni. The man known as, as Tim has at least one point up on Uncle Todd after this past week's episode, and I'm just I'm just giddy. I'm just giddy. So you know, uh, time is going to tell on this mother. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, you start celebrating early. I'm Don't not. Don't you be on let this thing. I, Don't be dangling that that ball out there. I'll, I'll Steve Tasker that I, right out of your hand. I am I am simply treasuring the moment uh, when we saw one Isaiah Bradley pop up on screen, and I said, "Yes, I have one. Yeah. I at least have one point." Uh, Enjoy it while you can. Well. Uh, as, as Uncle Todd mentioned, we are grateful, thankful, appreciative of the downloads, especially uh, this past week, where a, a fun gathering of friends and just uh, uh, you know a little uh, side project that, that we thought we'd do turned into uh, 1,500 plus downloads. So we, we appreciate the support and the listenership. Mm. And finally, 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 this is the epilogue to end all epilogues. Oh, great. Do I, should I get out my big, like, coat and sawed-off shotgun for this? Basically. Okay, good. Be safe. <laughs> be healthy. Be, I've been wearing it the entire time. I, I, anyway, I so figured as much. Uh, be safe. Be healthy. Be kind. Be good to one another. And, uh, you know, the man known as Tim, uh, I'm, I'm hitting the meat market every weekend now, so, so please, you know, hit the lights on the way out. I'm your huckleberry. You gotta save those pennies meat market you're going to that busted out Dotson pickup back there <laughs> I, I like how you pick Dotson out as the car <laughs> you know, of all the models we went to Dotson you, you, you're going up there looking around you have to go past the lookout the meat lookout <laughs> you're like are you an, you're a meat narc aren't you get out of here get him get him get him <laughs> I just want some T-bones <laughs> I just want a little New York strip come on <laughs> <laughs>